I really started to look at food as a friend because it never called me names. It tasted good. Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on personal growth and lifestyle design. My name's Eileen, and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. Every Sunday, you'll get new insight and inspiration on how to create your dream life. After the episode, the conversation continues in our Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group, so I can't wait to see you there. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece. Hi, my loves. Welcome back to the Lavender Lifestyle. It's Eileen. So today we're talking about emotional eating. And just a warning in advance, we will be talking about eating disorders. So if that's something you're not comfortable with, feel free to skip over this episode. It's totally fine. With us today is Amber Romaniak. Amber is an emotional eating, digestive, and hormone expert who helps professional women achieve optimal health through mindful eating, self-care, and overcoming self-sabotage with food. Her podcast, The No Sugar Coating Podcast, has over half a million downloads, over 200 episodes, and is listened to in over 82 countries. Amber overcame her own emotional eating after gaining and losing more than a thousand pounds and spending over $50,000 on binge foods and spending five years balancing her hormones and digestion. Hi Amber, welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me, Eileen. I'm doing well today. How are you? I'm good. So I want to hear about your personal story with emotional eating. Yeah. And thank you for asking about that. Let me tell you, it's quite the story and I'll try to keep it to some, you know, of the key kind of pivotal moments for me, but it's it's definitely something that really, you know, impacted, I'd say, you know, from age five on until about 23 or 24. Um, and so for me, I always struggled with first of all, like body image issues from a very young age, I would say it was about five. Um, And I always share this because I think that we've all had our own impactful things that have happened at a young age, whether it was like someone said something or we created a thought about ourselves. And so I was, you know, five years old getting ready to go on the bus. And um, it was my first day going on the school bus. And I got on the bus and the older boys in this, this back half of the bus essentially like looked at me and they were like, oh, she's fat. She's ugly. And it just like broke my heart and it hurt so much to hear complete strangers saying this to me. I'm five years old. I have no idea how to deal with it. But essentially it made me really shy, really insecure, and I really essentially believed them. And so from there on, I really didn't want to have friends that were boys because I was afraid I'd get hurt again and that they'd bully me. And I really started to look at food as a friend because it never called me names. It Mm. tasted good. Um, And my mom also had a very emotional relationship with food. And I think it was used to compensate in our relationship together for things she couldn't do because she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis before I was born. And so I think, you know, because she'd get fatigued quickly and, you know, there were times we couldn't just do certain activities that like she compensated and was like, what do you want to eat? Let's always have these foods in the house and like sweets and baked Mm -hmm. goods and junk food and just whatever we wanted. And so there was never any learning of like quantity, like having just a little treat, like I could eat whatever I wanted whenever I wanted. And there was never any like, oh, you have to stop eating that. So I just grew up, Mm. you know, with lots of cravings and eating a lot of, you know, sweets and junk foods and fast foods and just assuming that that was normal because of kind of what I was taught. And so 
I dieted through my teens and the food addiction like really hit hard when I was about just turning 21 years old and I went through a breakup and it was really hard and I just had this massive void like I didn't know how to take care of myself I didn't know how to cope with the breakup or the stress or emotions that I was feeling I always had assumed like you know you find mm-hmm. somebody and then their love fills you up. And where I really misunderstood that was you need to fill up your own void and like really learn how to love yourself and feel whole and complete on your own and yeah. not rely on someone else to make you happier, you know, give you those things and that it's a gift when they do. And so for me, it's just like it created this huge void. And I really, you know, at first, couldn't eat. Um, I was like, you know, really restricting my calories, um, over exercising, you know, two hours a day. And I lost weight really quickly because I assumed that the weight loss and the perfect body, quote unquote, would make my life perfect and I'd finally be happy and all that had happened to me when I was younger. Like I'd finally get revenge on all the guys because I had this perfect body. And that's really, that really became my focus for a few months. And whilst I, quote unquote, got the perfect body, nothing changed. And I didn't feel happier. No void was filled. And I started to notice that like my cycle disappeared. And I was really restrictive in like, you know, wanting to not really eat anything when I'd go and be social for fear of gaining weight. And then one day, Mm. I went to a party. And I had a small slice of ice cream cake after convincing myself that I just shouldn't have any and it's like this flip switched, (laughs) or the switch flipped. And I just lost complete control and, you know, started binging on like, I ate like half the cake and then I stole one of the chocolate bars from the counter for the s'mores and like went in the bathroom and ate it. And from there, the cycle of binging and then, you know, restriction and dieting really consumed me for a couple of years. And I gained like 60 pounds in four months and then just wanted to hide at home and just started eating and watching movies to numb myself from my hurt of my reality. And the embarrassment and shame that I felt, it just became so huge and obviously I felt physically horrible like I was so bloated all the time I was ashamed with the weight gain I hated my body I was just stuck in this place of like oh I wish I weighed what I did a year ago and was really concerned with what was going to happen to my health you know both mental health and physical health if I continued to you know be so hard on my body like because for me a binge wasn't just eating a chocolate bar it was like six cupcakes a foot long sub you know like cookies and ice cream and a bag of chips like it was multiple items mm-hmm. um and just like just a complete loss of control until i was so so full that i felt so sick and so for me what really were the low points were a period of time where i binged and purged for about six months luckily got a handle on that i really realized how violent it was on my body and needed to take responsibility for the binging. And so stopping that while it took some time, it really helped me to not feel so shameful about what I was doing and that I could, if I could stop that, then I could at some point hopefully figure out how to stop, you know, binging. And then Mm -hmm. there was one day that I will just vividly never remember, which was I had finished a binge and I was laying on the couch crying, just thinking to myself, you know, how like am I gonna live to 30 if I keep doing this you know I was about 22 at the time just thinking I'm being so hard on my body I don't want to do this but I don't know how to stop I love and hate food I love I have this you know love hate relationship with you know diets my body and exercise and food and it's just consuming my whole world I'm broke I'm unhappy I'm alone I don't want to see my friends I don't want to date I don't feel worthy for any part of life and why is this happening to me you know 
I, about an hour later then, you know, kind of after my food had settled, I thought, oh, Mm -hmm. I could go for one more cookie and I'd always throw the food in the garbage so that I wouldn't go and eat it. But that night I went into the kitchen and opened up the cupboard, you know, where my garbage was and I pulled it out and I dug through and I grabbed one of the cookies and took a bite. And that really was the the moment, like the rock bottom or the moment where I just thought, oh my gosh, like I just ate out of my garbage. Like who am I? Mm -hmm. I'm not this person. Why? again, is this happening to me? And I'm like, I can't keep going this way. I don't want to be alone forever. I don't want to be stuck in this vicious cycle, but I have no idea how I'm going to change it. But that's that was really like I needed that to happen because it's mm-hmm. like whilst it was such a devastating moment, it inspired and motivated me to be like, I can't be this person anymore. I can't keep letting this consume my life. And that's where the journey really started mm-hmm. of like, learning about food, learning how sugar impacted my brain and that I was addicted to it and that it's 10 times more addictive than cocaine and like how gluten and dairy were making me bloated and I was craving those and that I had no idea how to really take care of myself, cope with stress in healthy ways. Um, I didn't love myself or my body, that I was just revolving so much of it around the external superficial. And the deeper I got into this journey of you know, learning how to cook in a different way and and going gluten and dairy-free because I just felt better. And then, you know, after dozens of attempts cutting out the refined sugar, I really realized that, okay, part of this was about the food, but a bigger part was about wanting to try and figure out how to love myself and have healthy ways to cope with stress mm-hmm. that didn't involve food because I was still going back to help, you know, I was binging on like 10 bananas in a jar of nut butter, you know, once I cut out these other things. So I was like, wow. I want to figure out how to cope with stress in healthy ways and, and, you know, incorporating things like meditation and deep breathing and, you know, less social time with people who I thought just were not a good influence on me at the time, getting more sleep, you know, surrounding myself with more positive people, reading books about like how to heal your body and like how to love yourself and, and just understanding like this is my list of triggers and, and making that list was so valuable because it started to help me realize, wow, I'm, you know, I'm tired and this is triggering me to want to eat or I had a bad day at work and this is triggering me to want to eat, but I don't have to go to the store and buy that food that I can actually go and do some form of self-care to help me cope. And that all accumulated over time. And I feel like every part of the journey helped me to fill the void and, and learn how to love myself, that there wasn't one part that made me learn how to love me, that it was the accumulation of building a mindful relationship with food, overcoming emotional eating, ditching the diet, weight focus, and really learning how to heal, you know, that void and then, you know, heal my digestion and hormones and all those physical pieces that I had thrown way out of whack. Like to me, that was the accumulative of building the self-love and then inspiring me to want to, you know, specialize in emotional eating and these things that I went through myself and then help other women with it. And so that's essentially what I went through and that it has evolved into something so fulfilling and so beautiful. And it's just obviously at the time I didn't know why I was going through it. Mm -hmm. I I can see the whole progression of your story. And it's so amazing that you got yourself out of that. Did you have any help? Like, did you seek professional help or did you learn all this stuff kind of like one at a time on your own? So I that's a great question. I pretty much learned all of it on my own. I did save up some money one time to go and see a psychologist and not that I'm bashing psychologists, but I had a really crappy experience and essentially, you know, from the hour and a half that I had just 
felt so, you know, vulnerable and opened up to share. Like she was the first person I told about all these things. And she essentially just said to me, well, you just need to not go to the store and love yourself. And I thought, Mm -hmm. well, I know I shouldn't go to the store, but I I just don't understand why there's such a strong pull for me to go and why I have all these cravings and why I can't stop. And like, I don't know how to love myself. So like, yeah, I want to do that, but I don't know how to do that. So I left that experience actually triggered to go and binge so distraught because Mm -hmm. I was like, A, I just spent the money, you know, that I didn't really have seeing someone who really gave me no answers and just made me feel like crap and B, you know, I'm no further ahead. So um, I'm sure people have other experiences, but it was just a really, you know, when you're that insecure and that vulnerable, it, it it really sucked. No, I think at that point, if you're super insecure and vulnerable, you everything can trigger you. Like anything yeah. can trigger you. So for someone who is in a place like that, who knows logically that they shouldn't do these things, but they just something psychologically pulls them to, how do you begin detaching? How do you begin detaching food from the hate or love relationship and just all these things? Yeah. So I think one of the first things is to actually understand you know, that you may have an emotional relationship with food. A lot of people don't even realize that they do in the beginning, to be honest, or there's kind of like a, we get, just get into such a pattern that we start to think it's almost normal. So it's, it's like, I think there's two parts of this. Number one, if you are convinced, if you've been convinced that you think a diet is just what you need and that that's going to fix everything and that's going to help you overcome emotional eating and that it's just that you need to try harder on the diet. I'm really here to lovingly tell you to ditch the diets and stop the diets because the diets fuel restriction and perfectionism thinking. And then when you can't be perfect on the diet or you have an off day, then that's triggering like, what is that all or nothing? That other side of you, which is like, screw it. I messed up. I don't care. Now I'm going to go eat whatever I want. And that kind of rebellious, Mm -hmm. what I like to call the ego, the self-sabotaging mindset then takes over full control. And then you're going and overeating and eating all the things that you've been restricting on the diet. So I think it's so important to understand if you, you say, you claim you've been trying everything. I've tried so many different diets, nothing is working. And that the diet culture and that mentality is actually not going to help you build a healthy relationship with food. It often skews our relationship with food and, and actually can make it worse because there's all these rules and restrictions. And so that is an important part. And I had to really learn how to ditch diets because I at the time also thought, well, if I just go vegan or like do this certain diet, it'll fix everything. And it didn't because it's a very emotional journey. And I think the second thing that people can start to, you know, explore on their own is actually before you eat to, to take a step back and ask yourself, am I actually physically hungry? Do I actually physically need to fuel my body or is this emotional? Because I truly believe that any reason for eating other than for physical hunger and nourishment is emotional eating, whether it's boredom or it's Mm -hmm. like you're working and eating, you're watching TV and eating, you're tired. And so that's triggered you to want to kind of snack and graze through the day. You're, you know, you're stressed, you don't like your body. And so maybe today you got on the scale and it didn't move or it went up a, you know, up to a number you didn't want to see. And so that's triggered you. Right. So I think before you eat to start to actually understand and identify that physical versus emotional hunger because in the chance you are hungry, you can go and nourish yourself and maybe make a more mindful choice. But most people start Mm -hmm. to realize it's largely emotional. It's usually never physical. And that helps you start to kind of think like, okay, well, if I'm not actually hungry, then what else do I actually need? 
Right. And so if they are having that, you know, say they had a really bad day and they want to eat something to make themselves feel better. Instead, what are some other options? How can they like the first step is awareness, recognizing Mm -hmm. that it's emotional. Right. And then what's what's next? What can you do to help, I guess, deal with that stress or fill whatever void that is there? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think building some form of a self-care routine is so important to help you cope. So whether it's things like meditation, deep breathing, coloring, reading a book, taking a bath or a shower, you know, having a little spa time where you're doing your nails or you're doing a face mask or just something where, first of all, you're pattern interrupting by not going to eat right away and then you're creating a new habit, which is I'm going to go and do something different to Mm -hmm. maybe either explore how I'm feeling or to de-stress. And so another great one is journaling because you can actually take your journal out. You can write down how you're feeling, how your day went, why you you feel triggered. And that can help you to build awareness as to exactly what pushed you to the point of wanting to go to food. And then you can actually go, you know what? Wow. I'm learning a lot about this and about my relationship with food. And I, I realized these are quite strong triggers for me. And now that I'm seeing that more, maybe it's knowing, okay, I have to actually have a snack you know, in the mid-afternoon to help prevent my evening craving. And it's very important for me once I'm finished work or right now, you know, to be in a routine where around this time, I'm I'm going to do some form of self-care to help to relax me, make me feel more at ease, more at peace. And that helps you to build that confidence when you realize that you can stop and that you can go and do something else that's actually going to help to fill the void and, and you know, fulfill your needs and that you know, you start to realize, well, the food is never really going to do that for me once you start to shift the pattern. Now, some sometimes it's easier said than done, right? Because this is a very deep pattern that a lot of people have created for themselves. So for some people, they may be able to on their own do this. And, and that's where for others, you know, that guidance and support is is just exactly what they need, depending on how long they've been struggling. Yeah, I think you can heal this on many levels because I think the replacing eating with a new habit is one thing. And then another is recognizing the root of your emotional eating, like the whether it's a trauma or physical or a emotional root cause. Do you know what I'm saying? So can you explain what mm-hmm. are the common causes of emotional eating? Yeah. And you've just hit the nail right on the head. There's often, you know, one or a few very prominent root causes and or trauma that someone has experienced that create this void. Um, And if we're never taught how to tend to our emotions or how to deal with trauma or stress or negative experiences in a healthy way, then it's so easy to create a coping mechanism, whether it's food or alcohol, shopping, you know, smoking, whatever it is. So um, one of the biggest ones that I see is you know, women not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy. So they're largely focused on their external body and looks. And if they're unhappy with their body, their weight, because they're comparing themselves to others or from, you know, pressures from TV, media, magazines, social media, they're assuming that the only way to be lovable, good enough, successful enough, you know, all that stuff is if I look a certain way. And so from what it is, is from this feeling of unworthiness, unhappiness, disliking or hating my body, I am then from a place of fear, disappointment, anger, hatred, Mm -hmm. when you take these action steps to go on this restrictive diet or to do extreme exercise. But, you know, taking extreme action steps in hopes to losing that weight and then maybe you have short-term success, but then you gain the weight back or it didn't work. And then that fuels the emotional eating that because 
you're upset, you're hurt, you don't know how to feel those things necessarily, um, and therefore we're eating to numb or fill that void or distract us from actually addressing what is the discomfort of feeling unworthy or not liking your body? It's very uncomfortable when you're in this place where you're stressed and you have, you know, lots of things going on. You have to deal with family and, you know, work and mm-hmm. things going on in the world. And now I also have to deal with myself and my relationship with my body and food, which I'm unhappy with. So right. I think that that is a huge piece for pretty much every woman that I've ever connected with or worked with is that not feeling good enough. And that's what it was for me. And -hmm. as long as we are focusing on the weight and the diet mentality, instead of actually getting to the root of the emotional void, we'll probably stay stuck. Um, Because the the diet or the, the weight focus, it does not help you, you know, build a healthy relationship with food. It doesn't necessarily help you learn how to cope in a healthy way or how to delve into the deeper emotional pieces. So I think that's a big piece. And then, you know, people have experiences like they've been bullied or, you know, they've had to move across the country or they've had a breakup or they've maybe like had a really stressful job. Or, you know, I've had women come to me who run successful businesses or they're in health and wellness, doctors, clinic owners, and they literally are slowly killing themselves by being in their business 24-7. They're not sleeping. They're not drinking water. They're not even taking time to go to the bathroom because, again, this comes from this overachieving mentality of I have to be Mm. perfect and show up in my business to prove that I'm worthy. But then again, what is below that is I don't feel good enough. And it's having a significant impact on their mental health, their hormone health, their digestion, their energy, inflammation. They're gaining weight like crazy. And they're just so – in this place where they're overwhelmed and stuck, but they don't know how to shift it. Mm-hmm. I like that you pointed out that it can also look like the overachievers, the people that work too hard. It comes mm-hmm. from the feeling that you're not good enough and feeling of unworthiness. Like you have to work and be productive or achieve to have love, but that's not the truth. The truth is like, you don't need to do any of that. Correct. All right, let's take a break for today's sponsor, Lashify, the world's most innovative DIY lash extension system with their exclusive underlash technology. Experimenting with my look is one of my favorite ways to build self-love and confidence, and lashes can make all the difference. If you've ever gotten lash extensions done, you know how pricey and time-consuming they can be. The Lashify Control Kit is the solution to that. You can get salon-quality lashes at home in seconds. No need to go to the salon, which is a game-changer. It's easy to use, won't hurt your natural lashes, and is designed to work with any and all eye shapes. Get your Lashify control kits at Lashify.com. That's L-A-S-H-I-F-Y dot com. New customers can get 10% off your entire purchase using the code TRYLASHIFY at checkout. So that's TRYLASHIFY for new customers to get 10% off your entire purchase. So how do you help people bring themselves back to self-love? Yeah, so I think the first step is is slowly one step at a time helping people understand where all of this started. And for some they know right away and for others it takes us time to di- look at their schedule and look at how overbooked their schedule has been and start to go, okay, well, if you aren't even taking time to get water and go to the bathroom, like let's start with small steps. So let's start by you scheduling a water break and a bathroom break. And then for other people, we can progress and make sure that they're taking time through the day to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner and eat without the distractions of technology work, you know, all of the things that can interfere with digestion. And then another important part is really assessing their current state of health. And this is a big miss. So, you know, if you just go online, you can Google like how to balance this hormone or how to, 
you know, deal with digestion or how to overcome emotional eating, but you, then you get so much information Mm -hmm. and it can become so overwhelming because you're like, who do I believe? What do I try? There's so many things I don't even know where to start. So that's another big block is a lot of women come to me and go, I don't even know where to start. And that's just making me not want to do anything. So understanding their current state of health, their, their health complaints, their symptoms, whether it's they're bloated, you know, they're exhausted, their hormones are out of whack, their cycle is off, whatever those unique things are for each individual, assessing them and understanding their physical health and then their relationship with food very much in depth as well as their body image. It allows me to really help to give them very clear guidance on where we're going to start and, you know, kind of where we're going to work toward over the period of time that we work together. Um, And then the emotional eating piece is another really huge piece. So right away, I guide them in starting to identify their emotional eating triggers. um, And I provide them with a list and what that helps them to do is actually go, wow, there's actually a lot more things than I thought that I was, you know, triggered to go to food for. And, Mm -hmm. And then they add other things. But the beauty of this is between the schedule and, you know, the assessment and then the emotional eating, I really can then help them to see that from that root cause so that whether it's that perfectionist mindset, that overachieving mindset, people pleasing is Mm. another big one, that there is below that this feeling of unworthiness and not feeling good enough that is driving them in a negative way, in a disempowering way to overextend themselves and that then they're using the food you know, to check out, to have this retreat, this quick fix, this break, and then they're dieting to try Mm -hmm. and fix it all if they've gained weight. And so when they can start to see that it's a mindset and a feeling that they've adopted or inherited or that they were told from other people, that they can actually, again, slowly, the key is slowly because we don't want to overwhelm. It's a vulnerable situation and you want to make small changes so that people can start to build confidence because a lot of them have tried a lot of things and failed and fear Mm -hmm. having to go through something again and fail again and just be back where they started. So small steps is the key. So as they, you know, start to build some good habits and explore emotional eating, the beauty of it is then they start to realize, wow, you know what? I was going to say no to that thing today, but I said yes for fear of letting that person down. And so then we start to go a bit deeper and work on setting healthy boundaries that it's safe to say no, it's safe to ask for help, blocking off your schedule, making sure you're not adding too much onto your plate. And as they slowly make these changes instead of quickly and extremely, which makes people way too uncomfortable, they feel safe you know, taking those next steps. And I really think that's the key is that people don't feel judged. They feel safe. They feel empowered and they feel supported um, and that they can, you know, slowly make these changes. And then they build the confidence and then they start to feel so much better. And then if they step back into an old habit here or there, they go, wow, learned a lot from that. Don't Mm want to do that again. I'm so much more grateful for this new identity that I'm building with myself and with food. Yeah. I love that. So just to recap, what I hear is you have to figure out, be aware of what the root causes, whether it's perfectionism, feeling unworthy or something. And what's helpful is to write a list of your triggers, like things that would make you turn to food. And then the rest is like building the small Mm -hmm. habits that would help you become more aware of your emotional eating. And to me, it's like emotional eating is one symptom where like when you talk about like setting boundaries like that, I can see you're just helping these people in general with their mindset and their belief about themselves. And emotional Mm -hmm. eating might be what one person turns to and then another person might turn to drugs or alcohol. And it's, it's all kind of the same thing happening though. It is. It's, it's essentially, Mm -hmm. it's just that people are choosing different, you know, coping crutches or, you know, mechanisms, right? So 
Right. Usually at the end of the day, it's still that those self-worth pieces that are really missing and or there's been that trauma that, you know, really has had such a significant impact on that person. And so they use whatever that substance is to try to cope with just that, you know, I feel like some are just like more dangerous short term than others. Like I swear if I was doing drugs rather than food, I probably wouldn't be here today because that's how severe my addiction oh, yeah. was, right? So mm-hmm. I just think it's so, so, so important, you know, regardless of what you're doing and, and what you're using that, you know, you there's always the opportunity to take a different path and to get support if you feel like you need it. You can try on your own for sure and some people will have success with that. Um, but I just think it's so important to get support because as long as we – don't feel worthy and we're we're acting in every area of our lives from that it has a significant impact on our health mm-hmm. and our our mindset and people limit their lives they won't go on trips they won't date i didn't yeah. you know i limited myself in my 20s yeah. you're not social you don't maybe go for that promotion at work or you don't take the further steps in your business to speak or take that big opportunity because you're just like i don't want to be seen and that's those are like life altering yeah. things that you're not allowing because you don't like your body or you're you're not happy with what you see in the mirror. Mm-hmm, totally. So I have a Facebook question from Dante. She asks, how can one recover from a bad eating day? So let's break that down. Why that's, I don't think, I don't, it's kind of a problematic question, right? Yeah, I think that's a great question though. So I think the first step mm-hmm. is as soon as you are recognizing that you have self-sabotage or you've overeaten or you've overindulged, that actually in that moment you can go, you know what? I had that. And then get curious. And this is maybe where you pull out your journal and go, what triggered me to go and do that? How was I feeling? What kind of thoughts was I thinking? You know, did I eat enough today? Did I not drink enough water? And even though this happened, I can learn from it and I can still actually treat my body well for the rest of the day. The rest of the day doesn't have to be a write-off um, because we get so stuck in that all-or-nothing mindset that then, then we just think, well, it's a write-off, so who cares? To, I'll start tomorrow or Monday or whatever. So when we can actually mm-hmm. stop after we realize what we have done and have compassion for ourselves and then go and explore it more and get curious about it and learn from it, you're far less likely to keep going for the rest of the day. And if it has been the day or the weekend, then it's a gain to come back and go, what happened leading up to this, you know, emotional eating? What kind of week did I have? What kind of stress did I experience? You know, what was going on for me that fueled this? Or did I, again, quote unquote, mess up on my diet and that's what brought this in? Or did I get on the scale and that's what did this? But really understanding what fueled this to happen And that the sooner you can go, you know Mm -hmm. what, this is what I've learned and maybe this is what I'm going to try differently moving forward, you know, that I I do forgive myself. And the sooner you can do that and let go of it, again, sometimes easier said than done, the sooner you're probably going to move forward. It's when we stay stuck on it we get hard on ourselves about it and we keep beating ourselves up about it that that also can become a trigger and it can keep happening. But that's what I would suggest for starters and then seeing if you're not in a – you know, self-care routine, depending on when you feel most vulnerable to emotionally eat. For a lot of people, it's the evening um, that you actually, you know, integrate some self-care that you can do in the evening. Or, you know, if you're focusing a lot of your activities around food, that you take focus off of food and activity and just focus on the meals and then, you know, create other things you can do that don't focus on food. Because I think we can get so Mm -hmm. caught up in food with everything and then we don't know what's actually for physical nourishment and what's actually not. 
Right. And it's so true that people are so hard on themselves and it Mm -hmm. makes it even worse. And I like that you said that you can start right now, even if it's the middle of the day and the rest of the day can be better. Like people see their days or their weekends as like a chunk, like, oh, I wasted today. And you still have like a few hours, like left half of your day left. So it's not, don't think about it in terms of like, you've wasted the day completely because the present moment is your chance to like start fresh. Yeah. A hundred percent. Awesome. Okay, Amber, I'm going to ask some rapid fire questions that I ask all of our guests. So the first one is, what does your dream life look like? Oh, that's a great question. Being in my business, you know, I my goal is to help over a million mm. women all over the world overcome emotional eating and build a healthy relationship with their bodies. Um, so I'd love to, you know, be a New York Times bestselling author and write books and, you know, produce more online programs to just help more women and speak. Also, you know, traveling with my boyfriend and, and you know, him being in his business and us just supporting each other in, in our worlds and, you know, helping people and having a lot of fun and laughing a lot and, and being healthy and just staying grateful and humble for everything we have and everything that, you know, we came from. To me, that's really what it's all about. And, and to just, my goal is that when I'm gone, I want to leave a legacy so that my work is still helping people. So people like Louise L. Hay or Wayne Dyer who have passed away, like they've left a legacy and their Mm -hmm. work is still so, so relevant and helping so many people. And I hope to be able to do the same thing and just have an impact that continues on. That's amazing. What is one book or resource that you recommend to everybody? Louise L. Hay, You Can Heal Your Life. I love that book too. Mm-hmm. But what is one habit that has changed your life? Ooh, that's a really good one. Definitely really, really, really good sleep hygiene and getting eight hours of sleep a night. Mm. Life-changing. <laughs> love it. Yeah. What is the best life or career advice that you've ever gotten? Dream big and don't let anyone ever tell you you can't. The last one, finish the sentence. The most amazing part about life is? Finding out how to love yourself and experiencing that. Love that. All right, Amber, where can we find you online? Yeah, so you can find me on my website at amberapproved.ca. I have an emotional eating quiz there that is free to take um, as mm. well. If you are you know, curious about even just having a conversation, I do offer a 30-minute complimentary body freedom call. Um, and again, you can find that on my website as well. I have my podcast, the No Sugar Coating Podcast, available everywhere. Um, and you can find me on Instagram, which is my name, Amber Romaniuk, R-O-M-A-N-I-U-K. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate all the stuff that you shared today. And yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so grateful for you sharing in this space and and the work that you do as well. So I really appreciate it. All right. Hope you enjoyed that interview. Now I want to wrap up with some takeaways from our episode. So the first takeaway is that our emotional relationship with food can be influenced by our upbringing. For example, learning to see food as a reward when you're a kid or bullying like what Amber experienced. And it's also rooted in our lack of self-love and self-worth. It usually goes back to feelings of unworthiness, not feeling good enough. Next, the first steps we need to undo our emotional eating is to recognize when we're doing it. Before we eat, ask, is this for physical nourishment or emotional? If the reason is emotional, find a self-care habit or routine that you can turn to instead and begin to replace eating as your coping mechanism. 
Next, it's helpful to try listing out your triggers. What makes you turn to food? What emotions are you feeling when you turn to food? Becoming fully aware can help you detach yourself from your triggers and help you start to relieve your stress in a healthier way. Lastly, remember to heal your emotional eating really slowly. Take it one day at a time and be gentle with yourself. This is something where if you find yourself failing and failing and messing up here and there, it's going to have a negative effect. If you try to go too fast, you risk putting yourself in a position where you're failing and messing up and failing again and then being really, really hard on yourself to the point that you self-sabotage and push yourself onto the other end of the extreme where you just mess up all the good work and progress that you've already made. I'll leave it at that for today, but if you want to share or connect with other people going through any of these issues, you can always find people in our Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group. That's a great place to share your thoughts and experiences and have a supportive group around you. So sending you so much love. Bye. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Lavender Lifestyle. If you like this podcast, please show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. Lastly, you can catch me on YouTube and Instagram at Lavender, where I have even more content for the artist of life. Sending you so much love. Bye.